I am Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report, a direct message for today, June 22nd, 2021. As always, share this video, subscribe to the channel, tap that notification bell. That's all I ask you. Before we do anything else today, I want to address, because it is June 22nd, my favorite basketball player of all time. You know, I mentioned Charles Barkley yesterday, and I offered him a piece of locals. You guys saw that, and we are reaching through the proper channels to get to Barkley. My agents were actually able to get me uh, his email address and his phone number, but I'm not using them just yet. We're going through the proper channels for now. He is welcome to a piece of locals because I want to free him. But my favorite basketball player of all time actually played with Charles Barkley the last two years of his career was Clyde Drexler of the Portland Trailblazers and then of the Houston Rockets. He was part of Phi Slamma Jamma University of Houston, early 80s. It's his, uh, I guess he's probably like 56 now. Uh, it's his birthday today. And I just want to show you a 14 second clip. Tell me this is not the most underrated dunk in NBA history. Where's the hoop? Where's the hoop? I mean, that has got to be the greatest dunk in NBA history. I know people like that Dr. J dunk, uh, you know, Jordan over the Knicks, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, happy birthday, Clyde. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I know we've, we've texted a little bit and just want to wish you a happy birthday. All right, guys, we've got a big show for you today. There's a lot going on. First off, we're going to start with uh, some crime stats that have just dropped out of some of the major cities. Yes, the progressively run major cities. And if, you know, I always say that progressives aren't really good at anything, but they are good at something, ruining cities and making crime and murder explode. Uh, so we're going to dive into some numbers on that. And then the two remaining stories for today are sort of offshoots of stuff we covered yesterday. And I like kind of linking things together because I think one of the problems that we've got right now is every day it's just like another crazy story, another crazy story. You, you sort of think about one thing and then they drop some other thing. And then you sort of forget like that there's a narrative over time that they're able to push on us. So I think linking stories to the day before, or the weeks before, months before, even years before in this case, is quite good. So yesterday I talked about uh, how Chris Rufo, who's the lawyer, who's really been like in charge of the fight against critical race theory in our schools, uh, and just doing a bang up job going state to state, getting this racist indoctrination out of our schools, uh, how he's been sort of slammed by MSNBC by Joy Reid, and there's been a whole bunch of hit pieces on him. Well, Washington Post did a spectacularly awful hit piece on this guy, but you don't mess with Chris Rufo because he went freaking on the attack and he got them to retract like six things. And I think it's worth talking about, not because it's the biggest story in the world, but we need to highlight and, and put the spotlight on people that fight back because that's how we will defeat this thing. So he just demolished the Washington Post. It's just spectacular. Uh, and then the next story talking about a narrative over time. Uh, we talked yesterday about uh, Don Lemon over on uh, CNN who was saying how America basically hates black people, but they specifically hate black gay people, even though Don Lemon is a black gay man who makes uh, $4 million a year at CNN, lives in a very fancy uh, four plus million dollar mansion out on Long Island, blah, blah, blah. Again, I don't 
begrudge anyone doing whatever they want with their own money. Uh, but back in 2014, Don Lemon sat down with Morgan Freeman and his tune on racism was very different. Why would things have changed? We will discuss. And that's all we got for you today. I think you're gonna enjoy it. Uh, but before I do anything else, guys, I want to show you my giant meat, okay? I mean, this is a serious, I wanna, that is a serious piece of beef right there that I am going to be cooking. We got a ton of visitors coming for the next week or so uh, because it is my 45th birthday on June 26th. So I'm gonna be making some serious prime rib. Uh, guys, I'm super excited to be welcoming Raise American as a new sponsor to the Rubin Report, a company who raises the bar for premier organic grass-fed beef all over the country. And yes, they sent me that and some, some filet mignons. You know, you think of the filet mignon as just like a little piece of beef like this, but the filet is actually a huge piece, so we're, we're gonna be eating well. Uh, Raise American has been honing its processes to provide lovers of beef the ultimate eating experience from the feed to the cattle to the steak. Raise American raises the standard of what American organic beef ought to be. Raise American cattle come from humanely treated animals reared on small, independent American farms, farms run by family farmers and ranchers adhering to some of the strictest animal welfare and sustainable farming protocols. Healthy cattle make healthy beef and no one knows that better than the team at Raise American. Raise American focuses on sustainability, which is why they work closely with these family farms to raise grass-fed organic cattle, which spend most of their lives grazing pastures in the fresh open air, grazing in a way that regenerates the soil instead of depleting it. Raise American is 100% organic, 100% grass-fed, 100% American. Go to raiseamerican.com right now to order and learn more. Good for you, good for the planet, good for America. And now back to me. And by the way, guys, you don't even need a code with them because they're only advertising with us. I, I chatted with the owners of the company and the people who run the operation. They're, they're just fantastic. We're gonna be sharing some videos of me grilling over the next couple weeks. You, you know, I'm, I love being out there at the grill. So you don't even need a code or anything because they're just advertising with us and you'd be helping out the show and you'd be eating some delicious, look at the marbling. That's marbling, people, marbling. All right. I know people like it when I hold the big piece of meat. Uh, let's talk about crime in major cities because this has been a through line really of the last two years that pretty much if a progressive is in charge of a city, uh, murder, crime, and general mayhem just absolutely spike. So first off, we've got a chart here. Uh, this is from Fox News. It's actually just incredible. And I know I've showed you some versions of this type of thing over the last couple of weeks, but this one is just so stark. Atlanta, homicides up 58%, shootings up 40%. New York City, homicides only up 13% which is somewhat shocking, that, although that may say more about the general amount of homicides in New York. Uh, shootings up 64%, that's pretty impressive. Portland, mamma mia, Portland. Portland, by the way, where Clyde Drexler played uh, and then left Portland. He was a wise man, he left Portland, went to Houston, so he left blue Portland, went to red uh, Texas. Uh, but Portland, their homicides are up 533%. Shootings up a cool 126%. Chicago homicides are up 5%. C come back to me for a second on this one because Chicago, we talk about this all the time. Every week, 
in Chicago. About 40 people are shot. Usually about five to 10 people are killed. You never see that on mainstream media. So the fact that their homicides only went up 5%, that, that doesn't sound like a lot, but their baseline where they're starting, it's sort of like the New York City thing, although New York City is, I'll give credit where it's due. Uh, New York City is not nearly as bad, but Chicago is starting so high on the homicide thing. They only notched up 5% uh, and shootings up 18%. They usually have a ton of those. Los Angeles, homicides up 20%. 2%, uh, shootings up 51%, Philadelphia 37% homicides, and up 27% in shootings. So, look, I know you guys get it, but this is the type of information. No one is disputing those numbers. So when you talk to your friends, because this is one of the main things that people talk to me about. Actually, we, uh, we did a meetup, we did a locals meetup in Miami, and one of the things that people say to me when they meet me is, you know, I love the show, blah, 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 but they always say, Dave, thanks for keeping me sane. Thanks for keeping me sane. That seems to be a recurring thing. And one of the reasons that people don't feel sane is because we're filled with so much nonsensical news. Well, if you're in a conversation with somebody and you wanna show them actual information, clip this little video or go to the source, go to the source, go to Fox, where they've got the actual numbers. Again, nobody's d disputing this. There's no progressives, as far as I know, that are even disputing these numbers that I'm reading to you right now. And then say, well, wait a minute. If progressives are better about crime or if defunding the police makes sense or any of those things, then what, or what is it that you can say about these numbers? I mean, the videos, we're just seeing crazy videos every day of the absolute mayhem in these cities. And if you don't, if you don't believe any of the numbers, well then just check out this video we're gonna show you. This is from Fox News. Uh, the Portland police riot squad is all resigning. Literally everybody is resigning because of the mess that ridiculous progressive Ted Wheeler, the mayor in Portland, uh, has created in his city. And these guys know they don't have the backing. They know that there are Antifa and BLM mobs just burning things down, attacking federal courthouses, beating up people on the streets, stopping people from uh, being on the roads and going over bridges and a whole bunch more. So the entire police riot squad is resigning right now. Take a look. Well, he's referring to the Portland, Oregon Police Riot Squad, officially known as the Rapid Response Team. And guess what? All of the team, all 50 of the officers, they quit from the prestigious team last week. They said they did that to protest the indictment of one of their fellow team members on an assault charge for allegedly striking a photographer while he was trying to break up a riot on the streets last year. The city leaders have denounced the mass resignations of the officers. But the Portland Police Association says that decorated officer who was charged was caught between an agenda-driven city uh, leaders and a politicized criminal justice system. We had 150 plus days of unprecedented, sustained violence in the city of Portland. Um, and our rapid response team, along with others from the police bureau, came out every night, stood the line with, like you said, Molotov cocktails, urine, feces, rocks, bottles, everything else thrown at them, plus being doxxed, their home addresses being put out over loudspeakers, their families being threatened of assaults. We had a murder during one of the riots. We have multiple assaults during the riots and also multiple assaults of police officers during those same riots. The same district attorney who indicted our officer declined 80% of the crimes committed during those riots by people. 80% of the people who were charged, who were arrested by Portland police uh, during those riots, 80% of those were declined by the DA's office. 
I mean, tell me you don't have sympathy with that guy right there. Some of the stuff he said is quite extraordinary. So basically every night these guys were out there, they know that they don't have the backing of the DA or of the mayor. Ted Wheeler, the mayor, by the way, who was playing along with this, right? He was talking about defunding the police and everything else. Well, you may remember, we covered it a few months back when an Antifa mob showed up at his apartment complex. You know what he did? He moved. Instead of doing anything else, he literally moved. He apologized to the people who live in his apartment complex and he moved. Okay, so we've watched Portland just absolutely collapse. Again, over, what was it? Over 500%, 533% increase in homicide. But listen to what that officer said right there. They, those guys go out there every night. They're not looking to hurt anybody. They're looking to maintain law and order. They're trying to keep the peace. They're trying to make sure that a bunch of masked domestic terrorists don't ruin the lives of innocent people. They have feces thrown at them and urine thrown at them, Molotov cocktails thrown at them. They have, uh, they're being doxxed where they get on these megaphones and they start screaming their addresses out loud. This, this, this is the type of thing that a civil society cannot tolerate at any level and it happens only in progressive cities. You know, when I was in Miami a couple days ago, and we're gonna release the interview with uh, Mayor Francis Suarez in a couple days, when I talked to him about what it's like to have a thriving city, and he talked about backing up the police and making sure people don't do illegal things and taking care of the homeless problem, and progressives do none of those things, and everywhere they go, the cities get destroyed. So I have absolutely nothing but sympathy and empathy and compassion, actually, for those officers, and they did the right thing. It's like, if you're not being backed by your DA, by your uh, mayor, governor, et cetera, they're not fodder to just have feces and, and urine thrown on them and to have their families threatened. Also, the extraordinary piece that he said there was that the DA indicted the police officer who they're talking about in this, in this report, but he declined to prosecute 80% of the Antifa people who were arrested. Do you understand that? And by the way, this is the same thing where uh, Kamala Harris and Ilhan Omar and a bunch of Hollywood celebrities have offered over the years to bail out Antifa people as they're arrested for breaking the law. So, you know, if you're a Democrat and a progressive and a lefty, you're allowed to break the law, burn down the cities and everything else. But wisely, these police are not taking it anymore. And uh, I feel bad for the general, the average person in Portland. I actually have a friend in Portland uh, who's lived in Portland his whole life. I, I have a couple of friends in Portland, but I have one friend who's lived in Portland his whole life, never wanted to leave, loved the culture of Portland and the craft beers and the keep Portland weird and Portlandia and all of that stuff. And it fit, his job was kind of funky, it all fit, and he just left. Like at some point you push people long enough and if you want your homeless and, and drug addicted and crime ridden cities, then, then you're gonna have them. And all the good people who are productive and law-abiding, they're, they're all gonna leave. Uh, it's, it really is as simple as that. It's as simple as that. All right, uh, I wanna talk about something that we covered yesterday. As you guys know, Chris Rufo, lawyer, had him on the show a couple times, just one of the best. This is a guy who is so clearly uh, fighting critical race theory. As I said the other day, there's a new meme out there that no one can define critical race theory. The conservative critics of critical race theory can't define critical race theory. I've had Rufo on to define critical race theory. I've had James Lindsay on just last week to define critical race theory. I don't need to get into all of the jargon about critical race theory, but in essence, if you want to teach white children that they are born guilty because of the color of their skin, and if you want to teach people that the founding of America is fundamentally racist, and that things as I keep saying, like 
being on time and working hard and knowing that two plus two equals four and having believing in empirical evidence. If you want to uh, believe that those things are actually uh, good things, then you're a white supremacist. This is according to critical race theory, okay? Uh, so anyway, Chris Rufo is really making headway because he's going from state to state and he's talking to the legislators, he's talking to the governors and some of the mayors, and they're getting critical race theory out of the schools, meaning it won't be taught there. He's not banning the ideas, so everyone keeps saying it's an assault on the First Amendment. No, it's not. No, it's, and no one's saying that you buffoons can't talk about critical race theory all you want on MSNBC, and then people like me can mock you. Uh, but that doesn't mean we should be teaching it. The same way I wouldn't be for teaching, say, Nazism in school, right? You wouldn't want to teach Nazism, but you can teach about the Nazis, that would be something. Well, anyway, whatever, uh, whenever someone comes out there and starts making a difference in the world, we know this. Immediately, you're gonna get the hit pieces. The New York Times is gonna do it. Remember front page article about how Dave Rubin leads people to the alt-right through YouTube? Yeah, scary guy, Dave Rubin. Uh, we know about this. All the hit pieces on Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro. Anytime anyone has anything interesting to say that isn't sort of a brain-dead leftist progressive, you're gonna get massive hit pieces. So the Washington Post, Rufo knew it was coming. The Washington Post went all in and tried to destroy him. So here is a tweet about the piece from author and journalist. Her name is Laura Meckler. She says, a look at the important role Chris Rufo has played in sparking and advancing the GOP fight against so-called critical race theory and how he, in his words, turned research into a salient political issue with a clear Villain. And now we'll show you the headline of the article itself. Uh, and it's got a picture of Chris Rufo even in there. And it's, uh, the headline is, Republicans spurred by an unlikely figure see political promise in targeting critical race theory. Okay, so so far it doesn't sound terrible. Now they say so-called critical race theory. Whenever they wanna besmirch something, it's so-called, right? Well, anyway, I don't even need to read the ridiculous article to you or quote any of it because there were so many errors in it that Rufo did the wise thing, which is go on the attack. So this is just absolutely beautiful. This is a tweet uh, that Rufo sent out and an, and an image about the piece itself. And he wrote, winning, the Washington Post hit piece against me has collapsed. They have admitted to fabricating a timeline, retracted or added six full paragraphs, reversed a key claim and failed to produce evidence on falsified quotation. Democracy dies when the media lies. And then there's an image there. The Post admits that they fabricated the timeline of, timeline of events surrounding my involvement in President Trump's executive order, issuing a correction at the bottom of the story. The Post was forced to retract two paragraphs and add four paragraphs to the story, reversing their reporting on a key Cupertino diversity seminar, which they had falsely claimed did not occur. This reversal vindicates my reporting. Post editor Mike Semmel admitted to me via email that the newspaper does not have a recording or transcript of a key quotation that they falsified. They claim the reporter has notes but cannot provide evidence to support their original claim. Post editor Mike Semmel, in an email that virtually all, uh, in an email that virtually all white people contribute to racism, does not mean all white people are racist. This is an absurd position that only an ideologue could believe. Okay, so you don't, I get it, there's a lot of information there. The point of this is not 
uh, to whittle down every mistake that they made and every retraction, literally taking out two paragraphs, putting four more paragraphs, uh, retracting a quote that they completely made up and everything else. The point is fight back people. Not only fight back, but no, just because you read something in the Washington Post does not mean it's true. As a matter of fact, it's probably the reverse. If you read something in the Washington Post, it's probably a lie. If you read something in the New York Times, it's probably a lie. And I'll go even further. It's not just something. It's specifically when they attack a person, right? Because they do this all the time. I was on tour with Jordan Peterson. We were in Europe when there was a front page piece written in the New York Times that Jordan Peterson was for enforced monogamy and it was a very, very scary piece and it was also when Hands Made Tale was out and it was, in the implication, the way it was written was very much like Jordan Peterson wants to force women to get married and then they'll basically be sex slaves to pump out units. Um, and no, that's not what he meant. What he meant was he liked the idea of forced monogamy, which in essence is marriage, meaning that marriage and then the family unit is the basic building block of a functioning society, which we all kind of know is true. Uh, the author of that piece, by the way, Nellie Bowles, is a former lefty who is now going through a really interesting political conversion. I don't know if she considers herself a conservative now. I think she still works at the New York Times. Um, but she's written several pieces now, basically saying that she made a lot of mistakes while she worked at the New York Times. And I think she's still there, which is a little bizarre. But anyway, the point is, whenever they write one of these things about a specific person, just someone who's not woke, who's doing something good, you can basically say that that thing is a lie. And again, this all gets down to, if you have friends that are reading these things, it's on you. Like if, if your little part of saving the world is waking your friends up to these things and, and going, you know, you know, next time you're at your house, you're at, you're at your friend's house, let's say on the weekend, and you see they've got a New York Times on the table there, or they've got a Washington Post on the table and they're having coffee and it's like, oh, so you're into the Washington Post, could you believe that that retraction that they had to do on that guy, Chris Rufo, that was pretty nuts. And they'll go, well, what are you talking about? And they go, well, you're not gonna believe it. And then you can actually you can send them a clip of this video or you can explain it yourself or whatever it might be. That's how we can fight back. You know what I mean? We don't need to burn down everything like they want to, but I think that would be an effective way to do it. So anyway, that's why I wanted to link that right there, Rufo going on the attack against one of the institutions, which by the way, it's not fun because they also can coordinate all sorts of Twitter bots and trolls to attack you. I've been through all sorts of this stuff and they can blow up Reddit feeds and they can try to attack book reviews and they can make your life hell, right? They can dox you. I've been doxing, have my phone number leaked and I've had people freaking sign me up for porn sites that they then pay for legitimately because my email got leaked once, like crazy stuff. But the point is, I'm still here, I'm still fighting, Rufo's fighting, and there's plenty of other people fighting and we need you to fight too. Okay, uh, that brings me to the third story about Don Lemon because Don Lemon is the CNN anchor who thinks that America hates black people. And America doesn't hate black people and we fought a civil war to end slavery. We had a black president. Most countries in Europe that are way older than us never had black prime ministers. And we've done things over the years to heal the legacy of racism. And that is not to say that things are perfect, 
But that dream that that MLK guy wanted about uh, the arc of justice bending towards more equality, it's kinda here and we don't have laws that discriminate. Although the leftists are actually instituting some of those laws. But anyway, Lemon is an interesting character because he is race baiting in the worst possible way while telling you that America hates black people and hates gay black people specifically. He, a gay black man, is making around four million bucks at CNN to go on every night and pontificate and get the rest of you ginned up about racism. Now again, this gets to this thing about how much time should we focus on MSNBC and CNN and Washington Post and New York Times because they're all sort of failing at some level. Um, but I do think it's important to call these people out and, and expose them for what they are. But in this video, I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna let Lemon expose himself. So in 2014, this is only seven years ago, he had a really interesting sit down with Morgan Freeman. And I want you to listen to this, not only Don, but really listen to what Morgan Freeman is saying about race. And then the second clip will really reference this thing that's happened in the last couple of days. So take a look. But it's hard to, when you say that to some people, because they say, oh, there you go with a pull yourself up by the bootstraps thing, and you know, you're just being respectable. Not everybody can do that. Everybody can. Everybody doesn't. Courage, courage is the key to life itself. There are a lot of people who are born in situations where they say, well, I just, I'll never get out of this. So. They won't. I say to people who say, well, I, I would like to have done so-and-so and so and so So you could have done it. So, well, I couldn't get out of here. Man, the bus runs every day. <laughs> <laughs> You're exactly right. Yeah. Bullshit. Everybody can. Yeah, that's right, Morgan Freeman. And by the way, Don Lemon is sort of acting as the devil's advocate in the question. He's not even saying that he agrees that people can't lift themselves up by the bootstrap. And by the end, he's agreeing with Morgan Freeman, right? Like that's, that's pretty powerful stuff. Uh, but now let's listen to what Don Lemon was saying to his colleagues about racism on CNN back in 2014. I, I thought what you said was fascinating because you called it bull when you said people can't, you know, pull themselves up. Do you think that race plays a part in wealth dis distribution or either a mindset that you can't Today? or cannot? Yeah. No. You don't? No. I don't. I don't. I, you and I, we're proof. Why would race have anything to do with it? Stick your, put your mind to what you want to do and go for that. Uh, it's kind of like religion to me. It's a good excuse for not getting there. You know, I said, it's probably get me in trouble, but I said to some of my colleagues recently, so I know that it's an issue, but I've been, it seems like every single day on television I'm talking about race and it's because of the news cycle, it's in the news, but I'm so, sometimes I get so tired of talking about it, I want to I wanna just go, this is over, can we move on? And, and if you talk about it, it exists. Right. Yeah. It's not like it exists and we refuse to talk about it, but making it a bigger issue, than it needs to be is the problem we have. Man, Morgan Freeman, that's it right there, making it the bigger issue, endlessly talking about it. And Lemon is saying seven years ago, I'm sick of talking about this. And in the previous clip, Morgan saying to him, we're proof that you, as a black man, can do anything in America, right? So you're actually, Lemon, you're, delegitimizing your own existence as a black man, as a gay man, whatever it is. Like, it's actually insane. The, the quote there, Lemon, 
Sometimes I get so tired of talking about it, I wanna just go, this is over, can we move on? So in two, let me understand this. In 2014, Don Lemon is saying that racism is over, can we just move on? And seven years later, he's saying America doesn't like black men or particularly gay black men, and that is complete nonsense. You, Don Lemon, and your silly little friends at CNN are keeping racism on life support, which is exactly what Morgan Freeman is saying there. You can always talk about it, and if you always talk about it, you will always keep it going. And now, because of that scary critical race theory thing that you think none of us can uh, define, even though we define it all the time, uh, you guys are the ones that are making America more racist. There, where, sh please somebody show me someone on the right. I don't mean some loser Twitter troll with a green frog avatar. I'm talking about, show me someone mainstream on the right, a senator, a congressman, someone who is racist and is trying to put racism into the system and wants there to be different laws for black people or doesn't want black people to succeed. Let's not forget, Congressional Black Caucus sitting there like this as Donald Trump during the State of the Union said that we had all-time low black unemployment and I thought that would be something they were for, but they decided they were less for that rather than mostly they were just against Orange Man. So, you know, look, we can all change, right? I've changed, we can all evolve, we can all get new information and, and look at the world in a different way. But the way that Don Lemon is evolving is not evolution, it's devolution, right? He's devolving in, his, in, the, in the thinking, right? Racism is over, I wanna tell my friends and my colleagues, you know, we shouldn't talk about this anymore, let's move on, and now it's, we gotta talk about it endlessly, all the time, it's never enough, and if I'm not mistaken, he just wrote a book about it too. Like, lordy, lordy, people. Anyway, um, I don't think any of this stuff is going away, but as I keep saying to you guys, I do think more and more people are waking up. More and more videos of the moms fighting back at the, at the school meetings, and more and more people are coming out and saying, I'm, I'm not gonna do this. And I'm gonna keep building businesses, that's what I'm doing with locals. I'm gonna keep hiring, you know, we don't, I think I mentioned this the other day, at Locals, we are hiring right now. If you live in Miami, go to uh, locals.com slash jobs. We're hiring, and uh, I hate to tell you, uh, we don't care about your skin color, and we don't care about your gender or your sexuality. What we do care about is um, your skills. If you're skilled, do you know how to work, and are you hardworking, and are you a decent human being, and you wanna build great stuff? If you are any of those things, if you have some combination of those things, uh, we'd love to hire you, or at least we'll talk to you. Jo uh, locals.com slash jobs. Uh, and by the way, guys, Michael Knowles has a new book out. It has words in it. You know, his last book, which was, uh, I believe it was called Reasons to Vote for Democrats, it had no words in it, and it was a bestseller. This time, he actually put words in his book. It's called Speechless. It's out right now, part one of my interview with Knowles, who really has become, uh, I, I think, one of the best political pundits. I, I know people don't like being called a political pundit, but you know the best talkers that we've got related to politics and the culture wars. Uh, Michael and I come at things from very different perspectives, but I find that we, we agree on the big stuff. And uh, the book is excellent. I read it, I gave him a little shout out in the book, uh, it's called Speechless, it's out now, so part one is up on the YouTube, the full episode is up already, we go for about an hour, ad free at rubenreport.locals.com. 
Uh, that's it, I got a couple meetings today, good things happening, hope you have a great day everybody. And uh, whatever you do, don't watch Don Lemon on CNN tonight, but maybe watch a Morgan Freeman movie. Doesn't that make you wanna watch Shawshank? Like that's Shawshank right there, that's him talking to Andy Dufresne. Andy, you can do anything with your life, Andy. Don't worry, sure you were you know, unjustly put here in Shawshank, but you can go ahead and do anything. It's the same story, it's the same story. And what did Andy know? Andy know that yes, was he in jail? He was in jail, but he figured out a way to beat the system. That's what human ingenuity is all about. How was that for a freaking trip down something there? Uh, have a great day, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.